The Big Inside is a proud supporter of Give Strength. The fitness industry generates billions of dollars a year, literally. But while companies get rich, all that money rarely goes towards anything outside the industry. And right now, there's a lot of causes in the world that could use that strength. That's where Give Strength comes in. Give Strength empowers athletes in all types of lifting sports to generate fundraising towards causes they truly believe in, raising awareness and funding through the enthusiasm for lifting and strength sports participation. Through exciting events, challenging social campaigns, and good old school lifting, Give Strength is changing the flow of money in the fitness industry towards causes that matter. Meanwhile, Give Strength allows athletes to earn true financial sponsorship. That's right, cash money directly towards your own personal progress in the sports you love just for being a leader in generating funding for causes you believe in. Give Strength is changing the game of strength and bodybuilding one life at a time, one dollar at a time, one cause at a time. Get involved and learn more at GiveStrength.net. Give Strength. How your strength gives strength. This time on The Big Inside, well, I've got a drinking game for you. So every time I say the word see or look in today's episode, have a drink you'll pass out before 25 minutes in. We're talking with actual Hollywood movie director Liam O'Donnell in part one of a two-part installment of The Big Inside. It's the next workout for your ears, and it begins right now. It's another Monday night somewhere. Wait, wait, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. I, I guess it's time once again for the big inside. Broadcasting from the world famous Public Alley 701 in the space alien free city of Boston, Massachusetts. I'm Christian Mady, AKA XN. And this is the big inside. Oh, we're back. Very excited. Uh, intersecting and reconnecting what transforms the body with what transforms the world and then turns them both inside out to try to figure out what's practical, what's personal, and what just makes the most sense. We're all about the conversation, not the education, but with our luck, you'll probably end up learning something along the way. We're back! Yes, we've done it! Season uh, 10? Season 10? 10, I think? Show started in 2007, off and on for a few years. Let's... Let's agree, let's say it's 10. It sounds, you know, more glamorous. You know me, I'm all about that glamour. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you came back. I'm really looking forward to a cool season of episodes. Um, but first, I have got, oh, I've got so much to tell you. So much to share, lots to share. First off, we won our war. Yes, the big inside won. My boycott of Spotify has finally ended. We are victorious. The big inside is now on spotify we've done it uh, regular listeners will know well like you guys will know you'll remember that a real i've had a real bug up my ass for a long time probably literally as well but figuratively a bug up my ass because spotify wouldn't let indie podcasts like this one onto their service no indie podcasts on spotify drove me nuts because i couldn't get on there but clearly my constant on-air badgering bad-mouthing, and single-handedly, you know, destroying their ego has taken down the juggernaut. Yes, it was me, all me. Spotify just couldn't handle the big inside's callousness and has now opened itself up to the indie podcasts like myself, which is great for you because if you love Spotify, if you live on Spotify and that's what you use, you don't gotta switch to another service like Google or iTunes or whatever just to hear the show. We're on Spotify. We've done it. 
Even more importantly, though, this is the big one now. <clears throat> Maybe I'll put a sound effect in post. <laughs> no more post. I'm done with post. What's even more important is that now the show is also on Patreon. You know what Patreon is? Patreon.com. It's 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 basically you can support the show for like a few bucks, two bucks a month or something. Two bucks a month. And you have subscribed to the big inside. You have helped us continue. Um, and I'm I'm just I'm asking, nay, nay, I am begging you guys, my gorgeous listeners, after years of loyal broadcasting, to please head over to patreon.com slash the big inside and then subscribe. Subscribe to The Big Inside. You will literally, in that moment, become a patron of the arts directly. That's amazing. A patron of the arts? When when can you say that's happened last? Um, it, likewise, you're going to be subscribing to a show that you, you already know you like, and you're helping me keep the lights on and the computer running. So please consider subscribing. Two bucks a month. That's nothing. It's like a tiny little... It's one coffee, one coffee a month, and and you're keeping the big inside on the air. We really do need the help. So give up one cup of coffee at Starbucks or Dunkin's or wherever you go. Give up one cup of coffee and support the show. It's that easy. Patreon.com slash the big inside. And there goes a please, sorry. Because, of course, this season we are going to maintain our incredible reputation for impeccable broadcast quality. Good gum. All right. Well, th that's it for announcements. That's, let's just put that away because I wanted to keep it quick anyway because I am really eager to tell you about today's Big Deal segment. It's it's a first for us. It's a two-parter. It's a cliffhanger. We were, a while back, a few months ago, very lucky to speak with movie producer, writer, director, Liam O'Donnell. Go look him up. IMDb. Liam O'Donnell, who wrote and directed the movie Beyond Skyline. It was came out last year, 2017, end of 2017. 2017. Uh, it was the sequel to 2010's alien invasion flick called Skyline, which Liam also co-wrote and produced and stuff. Anyone remember this? Skyline, this movie? Like big old ships over Los Angeles and they shoot these big blue headlights down and everyone floats up and it's chaos and aliens and oh no, my fancy apartment's being attacked. It's, you know, it's, it's an LA movie, you know, Los Angeles. That's what you... Love you guys, but, you know, your stuff. It's always your stuff. Just kidding. Maybe not. All right. Now, this interview. Let's get back to Liam O'Donnell. This interview happened right at the tail end of last season. And we we had originally, we wanted to get it as the, like, the final show out of that season. But this was a lot of interview. It was a lot of interview. So we decided to just hold on to it a bit, give it its proper air, give it its proper treatment, and release it at the opening of this season of The Big Inside, and then do it as two parts. Now, we've never split up a show like this before, but the more we got into this conversation with Liam, the more we realized that there really were just two big themes that we were digging through. One had to do with like Liam's own backstory, and the other one had to do with, obviously, the movie itself that he directed. So it's a first, and I'm really excited, because while Liam isn't some major name in Hollywood yet... He is, nonetheless, working in the industry and producing films, and he's a real Hollywood guy. In fact, I think the third installment of this Skyline franchise, yes, it's a franchise now, I think it's underway, I think, which means Liam is like a dude who gets things things done. You know, he's he's the man. Now, look, don't worry if you haven't seen Beyond Skyline or, or the one before, the predecessor, just Skyline. 
It's called Skyline, not called just Skyline. Although that would be kind of a <laughs> like that'll be the fourth one. It's just Skyline. It's another one. Anyway, if you haven't seen any of these ones, don't worry about it. You'll be able to follow along. It's it's not movie dependent. However, for part two, for the part coming out later, you might want to take a peep at at least the movie Beyond Skyline. I mean, it's definitely a big, rowdy, sci-fi escapism flick with fights and explosions and robots and weapons and stuff. Um, so don't go downloading it expecting, like, The Godfather. But it's it's fun. And most people who've seen both movies agree that Beyond Skyline is better than the original Skyline, which is all you want from a sequel, you know, at, at the bottom line. Um, of course, if you are one of those unforgiving, soulless people and just hate sci-fi then just skip them all because you're a snob but i still think you'll enjoy liam o'donnell on the big inside so with that enough of that here's this week's big deal segment part one of two stories with movie director producer and writer liam o'donnell let's have a listen When it all falls apart, you can surrender on sight. You can run for the exits. Or you can fight back. To your last breath. What the hell was that? <laughs> oh, actually, no, that was from a movie called Beyond Skyline. It's uh, actually a movie that you may not have ever heard of, and probably fewer of you have even seen. Uh, it was actually a sequel to this other mainstream movie about a, almost a decade ago. It was called Skyline. It was like kind of this whole sci-fi flick that was like the alien invasion trope and like, there were no big names or anything like that, but just, like, lots of action, a couple twists on the genre, but otherwise they were just a couple of flicks that were really just meant to be a good time while you shovel popcorn in your face. You know, not high art, not trying to send some urgent message about society or even or even trying to re redefine their genre even a little bit. They're just meant to be engaging and fun and blow up a lot of creepy aliens. So why are we talking about Beyond Skyline? A movie that, like I said, most of you probably haven't even heard of, even fewer of you have seen, and some would probably call it a little bit schlocky, campy. I mean, high production value and well-directed, but, you know, a little B-grade, so why are we, who cares? This is a show that deals with physique, so what's the story here? Why are we talking about Beyond Skyline, a movie that probably most of us haven't seen? Like, what's the why? 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 All right, so, and if you, you want narratives, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, please, help us so out. If you are... If you were doing like the character tree of me, you kind of have to start at four, five years old where I get diagnosed with this optic nerve glioma. Like that's where that's kind of where I maybe my life is a different path and kind of everything changes because it all stems from there. What stems from that? What are you talking about? Wait, first, just introduce yourself. Tell them who you are. Who are we talking to today? 
Hi, I'm Liam O'Donnell, uh, writer-director of Beyond Skyline, uh, born and raised in Massachusetts. And I live in California now with a wife and three children. And why not? What, what are your kids' names? Uh, my oldest, Ronan, he's eight years old. He's the boy. Uh, then Ruby is four. And our youngest, Pearl, is 18 months. Well, wait, how come Ronan doesn't get to be named after a precious gem? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, we went with the R&R. And then we're like, I don't know, the three R's, it's going to be like we're Kardashian. It felt like oh it was God. too much. <laughs> Just kidding. They're great names. They are great names. Thank you. But Ronan, you really wanted like a barbarian action hero, didn't you? Yeah. That's I mean, like you a know, tall yeah. order for a kid if you're going to name it's, him Ronan. I just thought that we just both liked the sound. and. Um, but I mean, it is a cool name. You know, I liked I liked Conan, Conan uh, growing up, and now it's still like my top five movies. So uh, wait, it's wait, all... wait, 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 stop, stop <laughs> right there. You are you're, wait, you're gonna tell me you're a writer and director, and you're gonna tell me that one of your top five movies is Conan the Barbarian. Yes, the John Millis Arnold Schwarzenegger epic. Uh, absolutely love Conan the Barbarian. My dog's name is Crom. But what your dog? But what makes it? So, I mean, not that you shouldn't like it, not that it shouldn't be in your top five, but why is it one of your top five? What makes this movie about this, you know, muscle-bound, macho, naked bodybuilder running around in the wilderness, what makes that one of your all-time ultimate top five films? Um, I love that it's sort of a like a, a mythic, um, almost opera. It, it isn't even really about dialogue it's like it's images and sweep and it's one of the greatest scores ever composed by uh, basil polidorus um i just love the kind of the macho uh philosophy that's going on in it and uh and it kind of it hits all these different uh pleasure centers for me it's a total wish fulfillment and and then you know he he eventually you know gets his revenge and it's very satisfying conclusion. Oh, but even okay. revenge, yeah, uh, uh, we you know, we've seen this so many times before. I mean, so many times. How often have we heard this story? Young kid sees Arnold Schwarzenegger gets totally wrapped up in his macho mystique and totally gets caught in his epic nature and then wants to become a big bodybuilder and then does and gets huge and. Uh, I mean, know how it all turns out, you know, enters a competition or becomes some big muckamuck and then realizes who he is and becomes something else. And we've seen it. We've seen it. We know how it looks. We know how it ends. We've got the impression. We know what it is. We don't got to look or see anything else because that's how it usually goes. We get a first impression. We figure out what it's all about. And then... We know the end of the story. Or do we? Like, I want you to rewind a little bit. Before Liam started talking about Conan and how much he likes that, you know, pleasure center hitting movie. Think about what he said at the top of the show. That whole optic nerve, what's it, who's it thing. So, I was the third born uh, son with my parents. I have a pretty normal upbringing and around four years old, um my right eye starts sort of bulging in my head. I guess I just felt like 
I didn't even know that something was wrong. And they, they asked me, uh, Liam, can you see all right on that side? The quote that they told me was that I said, the lights are going out on that side. Four years old, and the lights were going out. Long before Schwarzenegger came along for him, seems like what was really influencing Liam wasn't what he saw, but whether or not he could see it at all. So, of course, you know, freaks the, freaks the hell out of the parents. Um, and they took me to, thankfully, we're in Massachusetts, right? So we went to Mass Ioneer. Um, the best doctors in the world are looking at it. So uh, Dr. Walton from Mass Ioneer was my, was my doctor. And I'm, I, I apparently hated him when I was like four years old. I was a total asshole to this guy, and he kind of saved my life. Um, but uh, so, so they diagnosed an optic nerve glioma, and there's generally a kind of what this optic nerve glioma is, is they say it's kind of like a birthmark, and um, you either have it or you don't, and it usually grows at like age four to five or age 21, um, which I, I almost feel, I feel fortunate to have gotten it early because I think at that late in life, it's almost like it'd be catastrophic. Optic nerve glioma. That's glioma with a G. I got it a little mixed up when I first heard of it myself. It's a type of, well, what is it? It's, well, you can think of it like a specific type of brain tumor, a very specific brain tumor. It's a type of cancer. And it's a tumor that specifically targets the nerves that connect the eyeball to the brain. Like in back of your eye, there's this little strand, like a string of nerves, and that connects the eyeball to the brain. And the glioma kind of wraps around that nerve and basically suffocates it, causing the eye to eventually go blind. And if it's left untreated, could literally spread and kill the victim. Now, for whatever reason, the victims of this disease tend to be children. That's right, children. Incidents of optic nerve glioma are primarily childhood victims. In fact, one in every 20 of all childhood brain tumors ends up being an optic nerve glioma. And just to make it a little more frightening, this cancer seems to most often happen to children who are under the age of 10, like little ones. We're talking babies and toddlers, like Liam was at age four. Now, the treatment for optic nerve glioma is a little, it's, well, it's gross. And, um, well, I'll just let Liam explain what happens. It's pretty traumatic for a kid. They basically move the eyeball aside. They kind of take the eyeball out, yeah. go into the cavity, um, and and take out the tumor, which is, I think, like four inches long on the optic Oof, nerve. Geez. So it's like you're th – th I mean, obviously, the fear is your optic nerve eventually connects to the back of your brain. Like I mentioned. Um, so you have to take it, take it out um, because it could eventually spread to your brain. Pretty gross, right? But the thing is, Liam's case wasn't caught until the optic nerve glioma had kind of advanced a little bit. It, once it starts growing, the optic nerve is so sensitive, um, it, you pretty much lose your sense of sight at that point. So you can't, uh, it's not black on that side. So when I said the lights were going out, um, now I don't have any light there. It's gone completely. Which means um, you're basically blind in your left eye, right eye? In right eye. Okay. But it's not. It's it's basically like your, my field of vision is just to the left side. There's no 
black or anything that's like right as if like causing there's, there's, interference yeah like there's no actual input it, it might as well not be an eye right is pretty much it right and when and let me just slow it up here a second let me just take a pause because we're kind of far down this rabbit hole i mean like we started out talking about a sci-fi action flick and now here we are talking about childhood eye cancer so let's try to maybe reconnect these things pull this narrative a little bit together let's like you know Maybe recall that original quote from the movie Liam wrote and directed, that quote from Beyond Skyline that we started the show with. When it all falls apart, you can surrender on sight. You can run for the exits. Or you can fight back. Okay, okay, we get it. We really get, oh, there's so much drama. But we get it, we really do. You can basically either stand and fight, or you can run out the door. And it, it seems like with this traumatic incident of optic nerve glioma hitting a four-year-old Liam O'Donnell, that's pretty much the decision his family's going to eventually get led to. It, it's eventually going to lead to an operation, but there is this period before the operation where my dad is taking me to Chinatown and uh, and trying to like use any whatever herbs that would you know slow tumor growth or, or make it stop. So so yeah, he's giving me like um, you know crazy herbs and like I, I was joking the other day that like I can't get my four year old to have like broccoli and my dad was like giving me like like steaming black tea from a guy in Chinatown. Uh, you know, it was like gremlins sort of shops and stuff like that. Do you, do you think that's maybe where some of your love of fantasy stuff comes from? I mean, here's your dad exposing his kid at an impressionable age to all this whimsical, weird, wacky stuff. And you're just like thinking, oh, maybe there's some magical potion that's going to make my <laughs> eye feel better, dad. I mean, do you think that's where some of your love of fantasy began? Because he was kind of showing so. you that maybe fantasy was real. I, I, yeah, because it was like walking into, you know, it was kind of exactly what you're saying. It was very outside of what I think uh, obviously would have been a fairly lily white normal upbringing in Cohasset, Massachusetts, you know. It was like all of a sudden um, there's all these people giving you this attention. I remember the attention feeling good. And um, I was in the hospital for, uh, you know, I can't even remember, but it was a while and people would bring me dinosaur toys. They'd bring me all this stuff. I remember my parents like taking me to the doctors and being so nice to me and feeling really lucky. So, yeah, there was this like, uh, you know, all these cards came from my brother and sister's classes. And it, there was this weird sort of attention that felt good. As strange as that all sounds, I haven't even thought about this in, in a long time. Hey, that's what we do here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Take what's inside, we bring it out. Hey, the biggest inside. <laughs> but right? I was, I, I, I connect that a little bit, I think, to um, to the my love of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which goes to the love of of movies and everything. I think it 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 starts it starts pretty early when you get fall in love with movies, right? Sure. There's like two movies back then that are real touchstones for me 
and the first one is Predator in first grade. Wait, your parents let you watch Predator in first grade? No, so I manipulated the situation, which you're going to, <laughs> this is going to be a theme uh, uh. if this is a long podcast of wh- how I manipulate the, and I play the long game. Oh, we're never going to get this put together. Okay, well, I guess we're playing the long game now. The long game. I mean, maybe that's actually also our connection here. That's what's kind of going to pull everything together. Because the body, how the physique develops, that's a long game as well, isn't it? Now, anytime you're going to play the long game, it starts with the setup. Because it's the setup, it's how you put things in motion at the start of the story that kind of determines how the whole thing's going to wind up. It's a basic rule. It's a, it's a rule of filmmaking. It's a rule of how the physique develops, and it's kind of a rule of life. The setup is essential to how things turn out, to whether or not you get the thing you want, or whether a first grader gets to watch Predator. So, what's the setup here? Well, it might be a little different than what you first perceived. It may not be as simple as seeing a kid who gets fascinated with Arnold Schwarzenegger become a bodybuilder and blah blah blah. Liam's setup seems to be a little different than the stereotype we usually think we're seeing clearly. I think that because I was vulnerable and that like that I felt like I, you know, I couldn't control this happening to me and I couldn't control my body. And I still like to be brutally honest, can't control the way I'm going to look on a day to day basis. Like one, one day I'll wake up and, and my eye looks pretty good and it's dilating. Okay. And other days, you know, if I'm hungover or sometimes just, you know, it's a long flight, it's just like the pupil is tiny and it's, and it's turned in. And it looks like a crazy, crazy, lazy eye. And, um, and, and that affects everything in my life. So that because of that vulnerability and that lack of control, I saw a guy like Arnold and I was like, that's what I want to be. And so I think that that sort of fantasy wish fulfillment of like an invulnerable in hero is uh, is kind of what drew me in. I kind of like just got lost in the fantasy of it. Of like, I want to be that. And, 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 and whenever I would see those movies, I would kind of go on that ride and enjoy it. And then even on this really like meta level is the fact that half his face, um, you know, got burned off in T2 and I wanted to like remove half my face. And then T1, his eyeball actually, you know, he actually reaches in and rips his own eyeball out and then throws shades on. And there's days where I still want to do that. I didn't put that thought together until like 2013 when I rewatched it. And I had like, I had this 
chill like kind of go through my body i was like oh my god this explain why it, it was it was just this iconography that meant so much to me he's literally doing what i want to do uh, you know i wanted to just escape and like go on this crazy adventure and i wanted to make my own version of that I think I think it all it all kind of ties together and it even ties together into you know the, the fact that it is Arnold is the one that I'm like you know that that kind of provided that uh avatar for me then explains you know all all the athleticism and 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 training and all that as well because it's like there's this weird thing it kind of keeps coming back to there it is you just heard it how Liam referenced his start of athleticism and training. See that right there. That's what connects a sci-fi movie like Beyond Skyline to a podcast like this about the physique. The early experiences of that movie's writer and director shaped certain, I guess, perceptions of the body. Now, some were perceptions of the body like it was a threat, like Schwarzenegger the Terminator or optic nerve glioma. Others were perceptions of the body as like a powerful source of escape or adventure. Arnold as Conan the Barbarian, or as we're about to see, Liam as a young athlete. Now, we're gonna start seeing a couple things about these two opposing impressions. A couple things to keep in mind as we wander our way towards the Skyline movies. First off, these impressions just keep coming up for Liam. They regularly resurface in his narrative. And then second, and probably more importantly, you're going to notice that these perceptions weren't just based in how well a body works. They're perceptions that are based in what you can do with the body. Or more specifically, what can be communicated with the body. Like how a physique, how an aesthetic, can literally mean something. Or even make something happen. Like how at least in the eyes of Liam as a young boy, Schwarzenegger's massively muscular shape seemed to be literally unto itself, what just makes cool adventures sort of pop up all around him. And that was what set Liam up for the long game that would lead eventually to these Skyline movies. That's the story we're trying to see here, how we go from a childhood eye tumor to a sci-fi action flick trilogy. It's a story that has a lot less to do with whether or not Liam can see but rather was set up by how Liam understood the way others see him. I I just have a very sort of like guy who looks like a guy face. I get a lot of different <laughs> people that it's like a vague white guy thing. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you could be one of the Chris's or you could like Chris be Holmesworth, yeah, the Chris Pratt. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I guess You so. were just born to be the Hollywood stereotype of the generic <laughs> all-American white boy jock wasp. Got it. <laughs> yeah. But in spite of like you being the one who was born looking like one of the Hollywood Chris's, I guess it was actually your brother who was taking to acting originally? Brother was a uh, interested in acting from a young age, so I was going to plays like concurrently with this whole thing. you know. I was, and I was always but, – but he was really, really good. And, uh, and I think that it gave me a fascination, but also a fear. The big inside to Mission Control. We are picking up a clear and prominent show theme here. The body as a source of threat versus the body as a source of social advantage. 
Copy. Over and out. And I, so I never really engaged uh, all the way through high school. Like he was Jesus and Godspell when I was in seventh grade. And he's like, he's getting carried out through the center aisle and like all these girls are crying. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, I I can't do this. I'm going to, I'm just going to stick to like football and wrestling. And and, uh, I'm actually more relieved that your takeaway wasn't, I'm going to start making girls cry. (laughs) (laughs) Small victories, right? But is that why you started like taking to sports to sort of differentiate yes. yourself and you know, yeah. know, like get away from whatever your brother was doing? Yeah, I think I think there's part of that that's definitely there. And also, look, I I, I enjoyed um, sports to some extent, you know, I, and I still do. I I, I enjoy um, working out. I, wrestling uh, was like in football. Both were like love hate relationships, but I'm really glad I did them. And there it is again, that duality. A little love, a little hate, a little fear, a little fascination, a good eye, a bad eye. And trust me, just stick with me here. This little analysis is going somewhere. Specifically, it's leading toward writing and directing the Skyline movies. And that's why I want you to stick with me. Somehow, Liam's early experiences with the body, both traumatic and whimsical, would set in motion a duality narrative that would culminate in a science fiction trilogy. In sci-fi flicks, the formula is often pretty straightforward, like almost cliche. Like there'll be the good thing, usually it's like some hero who just gets thrust into the middle of a fantastic situation with high stakes odds. And then there's the bad thing, some space monster or technology boogeyman or something. Then you spend the movie bouncing back and forth, waiting to see how the good side wins, or if it wins, but it usually does. So it's not really about waiting for the outcome. It's more about seeing how we get there. Will our hero pick the good perception or the bad? After my first year at BU, it was, I wasn't a, a great person back then. Oh, how so? I think I was just um, an entitled, uh, <laughs> arrogant nineteen-year-old, oh. <laughs> like, like, um, like most of us are, I think. Oh, right. um, because yeah, so... because all of us, every one of us, is an entitled <laughs> dick, right? You're you're dead right. But I mean, not that you were a bad guy. You're just saying like you're maybe just sure. like a little bit smug. That I and that, that I still deal with that. I do think half of it is my face, the same face that you're talking about. I, I tend to have smug resting face, and uh, <laughs> smug resting face. And okay. people are like think I'm I'm thinking that I'm better than them, but I'm generally just like embarrassed and thinking about what to say next, and they think uh, I'm 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 some sort of uh, like fully like, yourself superiority complex. or sp- superiority complex. Um, yeah, that's what I meant. So I. You know, I, I come out of wrestling, um, which the last, the first two years I did wrestling, I was, I was okay. In the last two, I didn't get pinned. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't exactly the point scorer guy because I'm not one of those high energy, like, uh, you know, ADD wrestlers. They're like slapping the mat and spazzing out. I was like, I'm just going to save my energy. So when this person makes a mistake and I'm going to squeeze their neck as hard as I can, that was always just my plan. 
Um, and so I was a pin, I would pin and I had a really big neck and I wouldn't let anyone pin me. That was like my main point of pride. Um, so the, so then coming out of that and then going into, to BU. by the way, that's BU as in Boston university. And, uh, but I felt like, uh, you know, like I'm, what, what am I doing? So I, I just started training a lot and, uh, and going to the gym a ton. And, and it was like, it was something I could control. I mean, I think that was, that's a lot of it too. It's like, I, if I put the work in for this, I will see results. Finally, Liam felt like his body was his own, that he could control whether or not it betrays him. At least that's how it felt when he started lifting. And that's where bodybuilding and physique aesthetics finally enters this story. It became literally Liam's way of finding a trust in his physique, sort of taking back a sense of power and control that got undermined by the childhood trauma of losing his eye to disease. And why bodybuilding, as opposed to, say, the sports that led him to bodybuilding, like wrestling and all that, what was it about bodybuilding specifically that stuck for Liam? I mean, we know where the original idea came from, you know, from Arnold and the movies. But the truth of the matter is that pursuing bodybuilding not only gave Liam trust in his body, it gave him a way to counteract how his wonky eye would affect his aesthetics, like how he looks to people. And that's something that regular sports don't necessarily offer. Yes, there's nothing I can do with my eye that's going to change it. You know, it's like it's until, you know, nerve regeneration starts happening. There's nothing I can do. So um, I think the, that that is part of it. And, you know, it was like, uh, I, I still like it. I, I was late this morning because I was at the gym. <laughs> I mean, you got to get a sick pump on to enjoy, do the big inside, bro. Yeah, I still enjoy working out. And I find um, it was like, I mean, not to jump ahead, but it's an, it was an essential process for me to make it through this movie. It was where it working out. I think, I, I think I'd, I'd be a mess without it. Oh, the movie. Beyond Skyline, remember that? What Liam O'Donnell wrote and directed and yada, yada, yada. Ugh. We still haven't even gotten there yet. And I mean, where are we even trying to go anyway? What exactly is it that we can't yet see in this story? Well, we're trying to see how the influence that our physique has over us, like the aesthetic of the physique, how it looks, is often one of the main influences behind how we end up perceiving the world. and. Likewise, how we try to be seen within it. So on that theme, again, stay with me. Before we even talk about this movie, there's still one more piece of this puzzle that we haven't even looked at yet. One more adventure Liam has with his physique that you kind of have to know about for this to all come together down the way. And this is sort of where, well, I come into the picture. Now, some of you know, and some of you don't know, that for decades I have been, on the side, a coach. Not your typical whistle and clipboard coach, but that's partly because of how my coaching works, and more relevantly, for whom my coaching is best suited. See, I coach athletes like Liam, bodybuilders and weightlifters who have a more, well, competitive focus. But the program I coach isn't just some sort of glorified group training, in fact, it has just about no resemblance to personal training at all. Which, if you've learned even a little about me through the show, 
is pretty much what you'd expect of me. See, I coach those athletes who are looking to learn about themselves and their ability to be leaders through their bodybuilding and lifting experiences. Like, it's not just simply about getting better at gym sports for their own sake. It's about using our interest in the sport to uncover things we might not have been able to see otherwise, things we see in ourselves, and then putting them to good use. I had begun this little project in the late 1990s, so I was a good ways into it by the time 1998 rolled around and Liam was a freshman at Boston University, transitioning from a thick-necked wrestling monster to a dude who would discover yet another love-hate in his story. Competitive bodybuilding. Well, yeah, so the freshman year is like towards the end, I'm like, I need to do something. I need to compete. Uh, I met you at Gold's Gym, Boston, and you had a bunch of guys and you were like um, all kind of posing in this glass in the, in the room. And I was like, what is that? And uh, and then we, we had, I think we ate at like uh, the, the Fridays there in, in Kenmore Square and you were, and you were talking about all the tube theory and different things of <laughs> tube theory. different things of oh uh, of diet. Just think of the body like a tube. We're, we're all a tube. <laughs> we're all a tube. You got to put the fiber in first, then the protein. And the thing is, I hate and I still hate nutrition. And this is one of the reasons why I could never be a real bodybuilder. So anyone that wants to give me like a simple nutrition solution, I, I'm all ears for like still. Because it's like the math of bodybuilding, right? It's just not fun. Right, right. I, I right. like to go in the gym and lift weights and feel the blood rush. That, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, so so then, yeah, we, it was like, okay, well, you should think about competing. And uh, and it was just it was just really hard for me to balance all of that and still make it. And there was times, I think even towards the end where I was like, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to bail, but I wanted to stick it out and I wanted to do it. And it was fun. And my favorite thing about it was like the same thing of pumping iron is that like, I like the actual posing. And I always thought that the posing was, was kind of cooler and more fun than just like the, the physique themselves, I guess. I thought that, I thought like, there, there should be almost like more of a posing competition, and that sort of like, uh, like almost like it's a it's a dance off or in in Zoolander like a walk off. Like I felt like that part. Then they kind of played that up in Pumping Iron. It's not really like that. They're like, and then there's the pose off, and like that does that doesn't matter at that point. The, the 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 decisions already been made. But I always thought that was the coolest and most fun part, and the programs and stuff. It it, it was it was a theatricality to it that was fun. But ultimately, I've never really liked sports that like are decided by a judge. I want to just be able to beat beat my opponent. And so, like I said, I, I'm not the guy who would score a lot of points in wrestling. I just wanted to catch you and pin you and win. Uh, you know, least <laughs> the most efficient way right. is always the best. Right, right, because then you're that much closer to like the wish fulfillment, the goal fulfillment. Yes, and and it becomes like you said earlier that guy. How there's something that something about that whole wish fulfillment like aesthetic that for you just hits all those perfect pleasure centers. Like you got to literally momentarily totally recreate yourself in a very theatrical way, literally into that heroic dude with the powerful physique, like kind of like how you saw Conan in movies as a kid. It's basically what you created out of all this, like all this stuff. Like you found goals you could live through, literally physically, that sort of negated all that, you know, feeling out of control about your aesthetic stuff. And like, and I know I'm totally oversimplifying it, 
But could you basically say that you got to sort of live out that wish fulfillment thing of being the super powerful hero by creating, like just by creating something else, like other goals, right. instead of just, right. you know, continuing to act like a smug jerk because you were internally, you know, sort of fighting the aesthetic all the time? Or is that, is that like way too simplified? Right. I agree. No, I, I, I think there's, it's, it's definitely there. But, you know, it, it, and it was, it was interesting listening to your last, um, to your last podcast about like, you know, what happens once you reach your goals and once you do it. Uh, he's referring to the Big Inside episode 109, by the way. And I just found, I was like, yeah, I, I, it's not necessarily something I want to keep doing. Um, I, I really just enjoy working out and it, it seemed like I had to, to branch out and, and figure some stuff out and I want to, you know, think about what I'm going to do with my life at this point. When you think about it, our body is always manipulating us. Like things happen to it, the aesthetic changes, and then we have to accommodate this little invasion on our perception. Maybe that's why alien abduction movies resonate with us. Because like an unexpected creature from outer space, the aesthetics of the body always like lure us in, they often capture us, and even sometimes make us slaves to its whims. It's an alien abduction that comes from within. Because the way we can turn out after these manipulations always seems foreign to us. Alien. Unrecognizable. Sometimes these manipulations can set us up for amazing feelings and victory. Other times they just set us up for frustrating feelings of defeat. Either way, it's a setup. Either way, our body, and especially our aesthetics, are one of the forces that manipulate how we see the world, our tastes, our attitudes, even our fears. And we can spend a lot of life fighting off this alien abduction, trying either to get ahead of it, or more often, just giving into it. When it all falls apart. Letting the body win. You can surrender on sight. You can run for the exits. Or you can fight back. To your last breath. But there is another way to reckon with this uncontrollable force that impacts how we see the world. It's the resolution Liam O'Donnell used whether he was conscious of it or not. Rather than try to fight what we can't control, we can instead try to make some sense of why the conflict is even there and try to create something from it. Yeah, I know that sounds deep, but once again, just, just stay with me. Maybe the resolve between feeling like we have no control over the alien force called aesthetics versus our desire to feel powerful within our own skin is to literally let that conflict itself be what helps define our world. And then create something better than the conflict itself. A new direction, a new outlook, a new project, just a creation that comes out of the conflict, even if it's something that seems totally unlikely at first. 
maybe the Skyline movies are, in a way, exactly one of those types of unlikely creations for its writer and director, Liam O'Donnell. Like, maybe for him, it creates a bit of space, a bit of revolution from that lifelong conflict that has always felt a little, well, alien to him. The conflict between distrust and glory, between insecurity and control, between a good eye and a bad one. When our perception all falls apart because the alien force of aesthetics totally invades how we first saw things, maybe the resolution isn't about raging an endless battle with that alien force. Maybe the resolution is to just let that conflict sort of do its own thing and even let it lead us to creating something brand new. And a lot of times, most times, that result won't even resemble the conflict that it came from. But I mean, that's okay, because after all, I mean, that's the story here, right? Like the way that suffering and optic nerve glioma as a child and his enthusiasm for the aesthetics of Arnold Schwarzenegger have led Liam O'Donnell, by way of bodybuilding, to an entirely different creation than he would have ever guessed in the beginning, the creation of sci-fi adventure movies like Beyond Skyline. And there it is. That's what connects a movie like Beyond Skyline with the aesthetics of the body. Like I said at the top of the show, when you play the long game, things won't always turn out looking the way you anticipated they would when you first saw them. That's why we really have to look at things a little more closely and not let what we first see invade and take over our first impression. Really look at things, even if they're kind of hard to look at, even with our good eye. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about the movie itself? What about Beyond Skyline? Like, can we really just draw the conclusion there and stop and not even discuss the movie at all? Well, as much as there is more than enough to learn in just the story of Liam O'Donnell, you're right, you're right. We do kind of need to look at Beyond Skyline at least a little closer. I mean, I, I owe at least that much to you, right? So we're doing this big deal in two parts. This is only part one. And next time, we will take a closer look at the movie Liam O'Donnell created and maybe see how there is even more in there than we first <clears throat> were able to see. And thanks again for stepping inside the big inside. We'll be back again real soon to vacuum the human beings off the planet and transport them by spaceship to the world of physique sports. Oh, well, that was a good closer. Strong writing starting off the season. Huh? Part two with Liam O'Donnell will be out very soon. But in the meantime, if you like what we're doing, help us keep the big inside going. I know, I know you can get this for free. I know you can consume this without any guilt. But if you appreciate this work, we'd be really grateful if you showed us 
So like I mentioned at the top of the show, head over to patreon.com, patreon.com slash the big inside and subscribe to us. We pretend this is art. We love to pretend this is art. And so now you can too and be a patron of the arts starting at literally only two bucks a month and going up from there. You will become a patron of our work and become our new best friend. We really do rely on you. Help keep the independent work of podcasts like this alive by going to patreon.com slash the big inside. And if you still want to just hang back and indulge in our hard work for free, maybe you can still help us out by sharing the show with some friends or with some enemies or whoever on social media. Just share the link to this episode or any episode from our website, thebiginside.com, or from iTunes or Google Play or Spotify uh-uh, or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you like to listen. Word of mouth helps us continue to grow and bring you more great shows like this and uh, that you know until you feel ready to open your wallet for us. So please share away. And also if you love what we do or hate what we do, we want to know. We really do. Like tell us these things. Contact us. Become a big mouth by dropping us a line through thebiginside.com or just leave a comment on any episode's show page at thebiginside.com or on our Facebook page or or again over at patreon.com/thebiginside. Leave us a comment. Let us know. We love hearing from you guys. And speaking of paying the bills, we're going to do the little insider next. But first, this. The Big Inside is also brought to you in part by Saisi Sports. The world of strength and bodybuilding is full of hype. But big claims, bold statements, and bright spotlights aren't what makes these sports great. What sparks your passion is the ability to take your best and make it even better. And believe it or not, there's a word for that. Saisi. Saisi Sports is dedicated to improving the world of strength and fitness through innovative ideas, building local community and delivering elite standard supplements like their premier product, Rekt Pre-Workout Formula. Rekt is not filled with hype and surprises. Read its label and you'll discover complete transparency, a product made of higher doses of ingredients than any other pre-workout on the market and maybe in the world, at ratios backed by science and common sense. Discover why more and more strength and bodybuilding athletes aren't just trying Rekt, but staying loyal to the product that may just be changing the world of lifting for the better which is the SciC Sports mission. Learn more about RECT as well as learning about other missions SciC Sports is undertaking at www.sciceasports.com. SciC Sports, it's your best, reborn better. As you know, we like to end each episode of The Big Inside with a little segment we like to call The Little Insider. It's, it's where we take something we have personally been up to or saw or just liked recently that was so good that we wanted to recommend it to you. A little curated nugget of an idea ripped off the folks from our show. Basically, this is where we take something that we recently did, we recently saw, we recently ate, or recently thought, or whatever, and then turn it into a recommendation for you guys to go try, do, watch, read, or whatever for yourself. So, Liam, what do you got? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I did hear this on, on, on one of them, and I, I was trying to think of like a little bit outside the box of what because I, 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 I'm so out of my routine right now. So like I'm not in a healthy state to be giving anybody really any good advice. Uh, on how I to mean, it doesn't it. have to be all deep advice. Just, you know, I mean, start from you know whatever you've been doing and just, I don't know, go from there. Like what's your recommendation from what's been going on lately? I've been putting myself in, in uncomfortable situations. Cool. Like even like something like this, I've been, I've been kind of uh, trying to face fears. Um, and even the, the, I just got back from this crazy thing in Macau where I had to do a, um, 
I had to do a pitch presentation at this film market. Um, you know, I just, I guess that was, it was just doing my homework and, and stacking the deck in a place where like, it, you know, it's funny is showing up at this, it felt like almost like wrestling weigh-ins really? or, um, you know, the beginning of, uh, of a bodybuilding when you look around and you look at the other right. guys there and right. you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the first time in my life that I realized I was the front runner and to make a movie where you're asking people for $20 million, you better have done your homework. You can't just show up and, and have a, a, a you know, some type of quirky pitch. And I it was just one of those things where afterwards people were like giving me attitude. <laughs> like I had, I had come in so hard. Really? And, uh, wow. And so it, it, I don't know, I guess that would, I, I haven't really figured out what the one little trick was other than just doing my homework no, right. and yeah. putting a lot of pressure on myself that's, Yeah, there it is. Um, to deliver. Right. And that's good enough. There, there it is. There's your little insider. Just do your homework, you know, get the million dollars and <laughs> win the bodybuilding show. That's, 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 that's pretty smart stuff. So thanks, Liam. And I guess that's the big inside, the first one of the 10th season. We did it. Yes. Today's show was produced by the Physiculture Collaborative, all of whom were tossed back to Earth after the aliens came. They just didn't want them. All duds. Duds, everyone. The music in today's episode was all Creative Commons licensed and created by Middle Mountain, Grégoire Lorme, Ghost, Silent Partner, Scott Buckley, Septahelix, and Grapes. Please check out all of these genius artists online at places like Bandcamp and YouTube and SoundCloud and the like. Their work is not only incredible, some of them are actually my friend. That's the workout for your ears for this time around. I am Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN for The Big Inside, reminding you that no matter what you do on your outside, what makes it big is what's found on the inside. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. The Big Inside is also brought to you in part by Scorpio Creative. We all have big ideas from time to time. A new business, a cool brand, an amazing project. But how do we make those ideas come to life? And then how do we get people excited for our ideas? Scorpio Creative can help you do all that and more. Scorpio Creative is a boutique design, branding, and marketing firm that works with the little guys like you to make your ideas shine like the big guys. In a world full of impersonal and automated marketing and branding solutions, Scorpio Creative brings custom, personalized partnership for all your branding, design, and promotional projects. Why not give your business, your brand, or your mission the same treatment the big guys get at a fraction of the cost? Visit Scorpio Creative today at www.scorpiocreative.com. Let's bring your ideas to life.